Welcome to the Brave Parenting Podcast, an examination of the Bible and how parents can apply God's word to raising kids in a culture saturated with media and technology. We look at everyday issues from a biblical worldview so that you can trust the sufficiency of scripture and apply its truth to your life as you raise and disciple your kids. Hello, hello. Chances are, now that it is late August, you have sent your kids back to school or you've started your homeschool curriculum. And I pray that this finds you having an excellent start to the school year. Over the past month, we've been talking about biblical ways that you can set yourself and your kids up for school. And some of that has been in relation to the actual educational process. Some of it has been centered around limits for online media content so as to not inhibit the educational process. But a lot of it has been focused on keeping our eyes on Jesus, on discipleship, on biblical literacy and theological understanding during childhood. And this is because in our culture, it is so easy to get lost in the academic competition, athletic competition, being an achiever of all the wrong things. And there's anything actually wrong with desiring straight A's or getting a high score in the SATs or performing your absolute best in the sport. But as Jesus asks, we must ask too, what benefit is it if you gain the world, but lose your soul? This is what we need to be focused on as parents. And that's because the culture has become very hostile to Christianity. And because frankly, based on the stories that I hear from parents, young adults are equally becoming hostile to Christianity because of the messages that they hear in the culture. And in turn, they're becoming hostile to the parents who raise them and who faithfully still serve Christ. So what we know, however, is that Many parents neglected Bible reading or neglected theological and worldview training as their children were younger because they just simply did not foresee the culture shifting so dramatically in the last 10 to 15 years. And so a lot of parents feel really discouraged by where their young adult children are, where their teenagers are. And I recognize that. And I know that the culture is telling you that you shouldn't indoctrinate them, that you should just allow them to come to whatever their truth is. But this is a lie. The word of God is very clear that that is not what we are supposed to do. Scripture tells us to train up a child in the way they should go. Deuteronomy 6, we are to train our children and talk about God's word and his commandments for a holy life, right? When we wake up, when we go to bed, when we walk along the street, we're supposed to tie them to us. All of these are reminders for how and when we are just talking about living a holy life, honoring and pleasing to the Lord. This is part of everyday life. So don't let any of these new age gurus try and convince you otherwise. This is what the word of God says. So in an effort to really just add some encouragement to your journey, I've invited one of our favorite guests back on the show to talk about the benefits of learning scripture and having theological training at an early age. I know it feels uncomfortable. You think my kids are teenagers. They don't want to learn this. They've already sort of rejected me. They roll their eyes. I get it. And our guest is going to share that she too had the same experience. Now, you all loved her last time we had her on, gave me so much great feedback. So Mary Catherine is back. She is our 18-year-old Gen Z ambassador here at Brave Parenting and At the time this podcast releases and you're hearing the sound of my voice, she will have started her college courses at the Master's University. So do be praying for her because California is very far from Texas. All right, so let's do this. 
Mary Catherine and I talking about the benefits of learning theology and Bible literacy at an early age. All right, Mary Catherine, welcome back to the Brave Parenting Podcast. Thank you so much. It is so awesome to be back. I'm super excited. Yeah, so we have just unofficially dubbed you our Gen Z ambassador. Are you okay with that title? (laughs) I'm very okay with that. That is an epic title. I love it. Yes. I think that you really, and I know know, it's going to humble you, but you really embody what we as parents want to see in our children is when they come to young adulthood to still love and just desire to serve the Lord and love his word and spread the the truth of the gospel. And so I really think that today as we talk that you can help parents do that. So we thank you for your heart and love for God. Oh, well, thank you so much for all of your encouragement. It is, it means so much. So today we're talking about the benefits of learning theology and biblical literacy at a young age. And so we're going to just talk about that, some of the good, some of the bad, what you've learned, and just your experience so that you can share that. So let's start with what are maybe some of your earliest memories of learning about Jesus and the Bible? What kind of like stuck in your heart? What did you dismiss? Tell us a little bit about that. My earliest memories, definitely, I remember being in like children's Sunday school, like I grew up going to church. I grew up in a Christian family, and I remember when my parents would Drag me to Sunday school. I remember learning about the Ten Commandments and Moses and, you know, I would what a lot of people would say are the basic Bible stories, you know, creation, Noah's Ark and the Flood, or Jesus's time on earth in the New Testament, kind of those main stories you hear a lot. And the things I would take away and dismiss, it was like I would hear the stories. Like I would hear that God created the heavens and the earth. I would hear that Jesus healed this person. But I wasn't actually hearing or seeing the message. I wasn't seeing or hearing what God is, you know, trying to tell us through his word. I wasn't seeing the truth in it. I would just kind of sit there and be like, oh, that's a cool, that's a cool story. That's a story. Yeah. Is it 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 even real? Is it, you know, it just Mm -hmm. felt exactly like a little children's tale. Awesome. And so as you grew up through Sunday school, you know, was there like one, maybe a class that you took through your Christian education, through elementary, middle, high school. Was there one class specifically that was impactful? And if so, what was it? And what concepts specifically stuck out maybe as you grasp that meta-narrative of what God is, is speaking to us? Kind of have two answers to that. One, definitely, um, I went to a private school, you know, all throughout high school. And one class that was super impactful for me in my growth as a believer was Christian apologetics. I took that, I think my, oh, I think it was my senior year, my junior or senior year. And the concept specifically that I will never forget, we talked all about theodicy. I had never even heard of that word before, but theodicy is all about the problem of evil and how can bad things exist in our current world when God is supposed to be all loving and good. And just, you know, having class discussions and just thinking about that, we write a couple different books. I can't remember all of them off the top of my head, but I just remember those discussions and that thinking. I know a lot of people, when they think about the Odyssey and, you know, that problem of evil, it can kind of make them like fall away and they're, you know, how dare God let bad things happen. But I took away from that class, oh my goodness, all of these things in the world that man uses for evil and really learning to trust God's, you know, omnipotence, his sovereignty overall, and seeing how he can use all these things for his good and to fulfill his ultimate plan. And so that class specifically opened up 
my eyes and just my mind. And I remember leaving that class when it was over being like, I want to learn so much more about God. And I felt like I had grown closer to him because it really, it showed, you know, how much I need to rely on him and trust on him, um, trust in him more. And within church, back when I actually started paying attention in church, when I was older, we went through a sermon series on Ecclesiastes. And Ecclesiastes was one of those books, and I'm sure if you're my age and you're listening, you know, Ecclesiastes is one of those books where you're like, like, that's in the Bible? Like, what? Ecclesiastes? Where? It's like, where do like, I like, find where, that? Where do I find that? What is that even about? And it talks, it talks all about how life is vanity and how we are, you know, not to pursue, you know, meaningless materialistic things. And I remember that is, you know, a tendency before I was a believer, that was something I really struggled with, you know, materialism and obsessing over the things of this world. And so that as well, you know, definitely humbled me. And I left that sermon series just feeling very humbled and excited to pursue, you know, my new life in Christ. That's awesome. So, okay, we might touch on both of those topics. The problem of evil, I would say, is something that brings most people actually away from God. For sure. And away from the Lord. They cannot reconcile that. So that's really interesting. I think that's a problem that we as parents can definitely start addressing mm-hmm. earlier because that is, it's hard because there is a lot of evil. And not that there always hasn't been evil, but because we have so much access to all the news through our devices, through the media and technology that we use, evil seems even more prevalent. So I think that's a great topic that we as parents can kind of hone in on early. Why does God allow evil? How is he using evil for good? Is he still sovereign? We can teach our children through different curriculums, even when they're young, like in preschool, that he is still good, even when something bad happens. It was definitely one of those topics I noticed that, and I definitely wish, um, I mean, I think my parents did a wonderful job really trying to train me in the Lord and to help me build good Christian living habits. But that was one, that was something that we had never talked about. I had never even heard of theodicy or the problem of evil until I was in high school taking, you know, those types of classes. And it was something definitely, you know, sitting alongside friends and peers who, you know, they didn't really have that growing up. I definitely could tell there was a lot of hesitancy, you know, the little they did know about God, they were like, oh my goodness, like, how can God allow these things to happen if, you know, he's supposedly all loving and good? Like, how can he? And I definitely did see there were people who, you know, their faith probably was shaken a little bit, or they definitely probably were tempted to kind of walk away and really not want a lot to do with God. So I'm definitely very grateful that God used that class to open my eyes and, you know, Lord willing, that I can use what I've learned to help pull people in and help encourage people to know that, you know, we do need to trust Him, that He is all loving and good. Yeah, especially as we interact with, it's really important as we interact with non-believers, because a lot of people, before they've even heard the gospel, have already wrestled with the question Mm -hmm. of evil. Yes. So if they've not heard the gospel, but they've already know that there is a problem with evil, well, then how these people, they claim a God, What they don't even know the word of God. They don't Mm -hmm. know the promises of God. They don't know the meta-narrative scripture. They don't know what Revelation speaks that is going to be coming. And yet they've already made assumptions. They've already assumed that God cannot possibly be good. And so that's something that as we evangelize, as we share our faith and we interact with non-believers, something that we can help our children do is to understand it is a, is a whole picture. Mm-hmm. It's a whole picture of scripture and that problem of evil is part of that. Now, I think I probably quote Ecclesiastes every single podcast, <laughs> or at least when we're doing worldviews, 
because there is nothing new under the sun. Exactly. (laughs) That is what Solomon says in Ecclesiastes several times. There is nothing new under the sun. And so we look at any common problem that we see in culture today, and it's not new. It doesn't surprise God, social media, all the technology that we consume, artificial intelligence. It doesn't surprise him. There is nothing new to Mm -hmm. him. And you talked about materialism, and that's obviously a a big problem, I would say. With the socials, yes. Yes, (laughs) because you take in, I read an article that said Gen Alpha, right, which is our 11, 12-year-old and younger, or maybe if it's younger, that it's 12, born in 2012 and younger. So we're talking like 10, 11-year-olds that they already have like a skincare and makeup routine that they're making TikTok videos. It is so true. My (laughs) little sister, she is going into sixth grade and I'm telling you like her look, she'll go over to like the little slumber parties and stuff and she'll come back and she'll be like, I need a little gua sha or I need this skincare tool. I'm like, I don't, and I'm all about like the makeup and the skincare. Like I'm a total girly girl. Like I, I get it. I'm all into that. But I'm like, girl, you are like, 11 years old, you don't need a gua sha or a skincare tool. I didn't have a skincare routine when I was coming out of elementary school. I was like, your skin is fine. Like, you're, you're okay. <laughs> Isn't that funny? It just goes to show because of the access that they have to mm-hmm. media content. And again, she may not be using social media, but if you're hanging out with other people who are, All the friends who are. you just absorb it. And so it becomes really easy even without, and that's the, the concept that I think is so important for us as parents to realize is even if you're not allowing the social media, even if you're not allowing them to be on YouTube, any exposure to the world, which it's, they're going to need, they need it. They need that exposure to social groups and friends, but it's going to make them be look just like the world because you can't stop that. Mm-hmm. And so having the word of God implanted in them to help remind them that there's nothing new under the sun, that everything can be, everything is vanity and the pursuit of all of that is fruitless. That is, that is super important. So that's a great concept. At what point did you give your life to Christ? What age were you? And I was 14. You were 14. Mm -hmm. And did that mostly happen through your experience in school or was that your church or was that stuff that was happening at home? Um, it was specifically stuff that happened in my church. I mean, long story short, because my testimony is very long. <laughs> I had a Sunday school teacher, actually, who he we, I was actually doing a study on the book Don't Waste Your Life by John Piper. He was leading it. And long story short, he was killed during a breaking and entering into his home. So he died and I was not a believer yet. And I remember that completely shattered me. I was like, how, like a problem of evil. I was like, I was so angry at God. I was like, how could you have allowed this to happen? He was the most faithful man. Like, how could you let this happen? Like, I really wanted nothing to do with God. I had like no desire to pursue him or listen to church, listen to my parents after that had happened. But it was actually, I went to his funeral and there were thousands of people there. Like there were people packed in our church, people outside the doors and other buildings. Like they had to broadcast it to the different buildings because so many people showed up. And I remember listening that, like listening at the funeral, all the people who would talk about him, talking about how faithful and humble and loving he was and just how he served the body, served unbelievers, like how he, like just everything he did was for his audience of one for the Lord. I remember sitting there just in tears, like listening to what these people had to say. And I was like, oh, my goodness, like, 
when I die. And they were talking about, you know, how he was rejoicing with the Lord in heaven, like he was with his creator. And I was like sitting there and I was just thinking, like, if I were to die right now, like spontaneously, I would not be with my creator. And I was sitting there. I was like, no one would be saying the things about me that they're saying about him right now. So it was almost like he was still like God was using him to still teach me lessons. You know, don't waste your life. It's still one of my favorite books to this day, even, you know, when he was dead. And so I totally saw how God, even though, you know, that awful, awful thing happened, that tragic thing happened to him and his family. I saw how there were thousands of unbelievers at his funeral, like coworkers. He was a doctor, like there were like tons of his staff there. And I was just thinking, oh, my goodness, like how many people who are hearing the truth right now who, you know, might be led to him, a seed might be planted, how even in his death, I came to know the Lord through that. And so that definitely brought me, you know, I really learned to trust him. And it was very soon after that that I accepted the Lord. Wow, that's awesome. I'm so glad you shared that. It goes to show that even at young ages, like teenagers, we're wrestling with our mortality. Oh, completely, yes. You know, there is that question of why am I here? I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that help, that's what defines our worldview. It, we're trying to answer that question. Who am I? Why am, am I here? I? Yeah. <laughs> what am I supposed to do with my life? What is this purpose that has brought me here? And of course, we know, sadly, a lot of teenagers wrestle with that and can't find answers and take their own life. Mm-hmm. You know, but there is that question of mortality. And so... What a way, though, for the Lord to work good through evil. And that Mm -hmm. is what we see when you look for it and when you understand God's sovereignty and providence over all those scenarios. And it's so difficult being, you know, like a young teen now because the message is always being sent to them that you are enough, like you'll be okay and you'll be fulfilled if, you know, you just accept that you're enough. And, you know, one thing that I had to come to grasp when I accepted the Lord was I was made to just like, I'm not enough. And I know mm-hmm. I talked about that book last time I was on here, You're yeah. Not Enough and That's Okay by Ellie Beth Stuckey. Go read it, guys. It is so good. It was like one of the best books I've ever read. And just how we're, we need to serve someone who is greater than us, who's perfect. We're imperfect. And that's okay. And that's why we need to serve the Lord because he's fulfilling. And I think, you know, when I was younger, had I listened to that message and that message been made, you know, a little clearer to me, then, you know, I probably would have accepted the Lord maybe even soon. Interesting. Okay, so let's let's talk a little bit about what home life looked like. We as parents, you know, we have so many good intentions in our hearts. Mm-hmm. And it almost feels like if we didn't start it from birth, if we didn't have this routine so set in our kids' life of we read scripture, we talk about it, that starting it at any age feels super awkward. Mm-hmm. Talking about theology and those kind of concepts and our heart for God, almost just, I can't, there's no other word than awkward when you're doing it with your kids because your kids feel like they're looking at you like, really? Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, why, why are we doing this? Why but, are we using our time? <laughs> yeah, I can do it with the high school girls I lead at our church and it feels completely natural, mm-hmm. but I try and do it with my kids and it's awkward. So talk about that. What was your experience in the home? And where you kind of learned about God, how, how did those teachings and those times of learning with your parents, how did that impact you? Yes. So my big thing when I was younger was we would always go to church on Sunday. That was one thing that my parents were very convicted about, you know, like obviously life happens, you know, we didn't make it there every Sunday if we're being real. But like that was one big thing. Every Sunday morning, we would wake up, we'd drive to church together, and then we'd come home. 
And that was kind of the routine for a while. And then as I got a little older and my parents had grown in their faith more, um, they definitely felt more convicted to, you know, start having those conversations at home, you know, maybe do a little family devotion, read the word together. And I remember, you know, specifically before I was a believer, it was, you know, even after I'm a believer, you know, when your parents are like, all right, everybody come sit in the living room. It's time for family devotion. And, you know, all the kids, like the three of us were looking at each other like, okay, like we're going to do this. And it definitely like at the beginning, it feels awkward. And I definitely felt that. And I would always have, and I would also, and I try to justify my feeling awkward or my hesitancy to be involved by thinking, well, like my faith is just like very personal and individual to me. And I just want to do this on my own and do it by myself. I don't need to sit here and like listen to my parents. That would always kind of be in the back of my mind. But as I've gotten older and, you know, theology and all that, I'm thinking, oh my goodness, I totally missed out had I not just sat down, been humble and had an open mind. And when you're in a family, like things happen, life's busy. It's hard to do things every day. It's hard to create that set routine, especially, you know, when you're middle and high school, like it's super, super chaotic and busy. You're out of town a lot. And so one thing I really appreciate that my parents did, they really tried not to put too much pressure on it. Okay, we have to read like this exact thing and all that. My dad, the two big things we do is we'd always read something that would kind of correspond with the sermon because my church, they like post the sermons online. And so, you know, we'd read, maybe read the scripture passage that was going to be preached on Sunday or the Sunday before just to, you know, have it in our minds. Or um, another thing my dad does, I actually bought the book because I really, I eventually liked what my dad had been teaching us. It's called Holiness Day by Day by Jerry Bridges. We would do that. And it's so cool how he structured the book. It's each page is for a day and there's enough to fill out the whole year. And it's, it takes like, two, maybe five minutes out of your day just to read the little snippet. There's a passage of scripture, and then it talks about how we can, you know, pursue Christ-likeness throughout our day-to-day life. And so I loved that my dad did that because it definitely, sometimes we feel the pressure to, we need to sit down for a solid hour, hour and a half, and we have to talk about this super in-depthly till like our heads like want to fall off. And it's like, no, like doing a little bit every day, realistically, that is what, you know, worked for our family and what definitely helped me and my siblings grow. So I definitely, parents, if you don't really know like what to do or where to start, I highly recommend Holiness Day by Day by Jerry Bridges because I actually, I have my own copy of the book now and I always read a little snippet when I can. I do love Jerry Bridges. He wrote several good books, The Pursuit of Holiness, which has a lot of the similar concepts. I have listened to an audio probably six or seven times. And oh, every wow. time I'm so convicted and so like. He does that wow. to you. <laughs> He's so convicting. Yeah, the really fantastic work there. So now what about prayer? Was prayer a part of oh, your Oh, yes, definitely. Life? We would either do prayer at the very beginning or at the end. And prayer was one of those things where for me, it def- prayer was probably on the very back burner of kind of building my Christian living habits, you know, reading the word and, you know, doing the devotions and all that. I definitely was like, prayer, like what? Like, I don't want to like kneel down by my bed and like pray. Like, what's up with that? Because I definitely, I'm one of those people where prayer, like I try to like pray all the time. Like if I'm walking down the street and I see somebody who's suffering, I'm like, Lord, help them. Or if I'm driving and I think I'm going to get into an accident, I'm like, oh, and like to me, that was prayer for a long time. It sounds silly now that I'm saying that out loud. 
But that was kind of prayer. And it honestly was not until I'd say probably a year and a half ago, like two years ago, I realized the importance of actually praying. And, you know, my mom, she would always say, like, if you don't know what to do when you pray, like, that's half the importance of reading the word because meditating on it, like, that's always a great place to start. Pray and just, you know, like, talk to the Lord about what you're reading, what's convicting you, what do you need to repent of? That's always a great place to start. Um, But yes, definitely during the family devotions, when we were able to do them, we would always pray before or afterwards. Growing up in a Christian home, we would always pray like before our meals. That was kind of, you know, before I was a believer. That was good. (laughs) Unless it was that or in church, like that was the only time I would pray. But actually, like tying it back to Christian school, I one thing that would always stick out to me was we would pray at the beginning of every single class. And whenever my teachers would pray, it was like, they'd make sure everybody would stop what they were doing, like calm down. Like it didn't matter like how busy the day was or how packed the agenda for class was. They would say, you know, like stop what you're doing, calm down, like put your things down, like everyone hold hands or fold your hands, like close your eyes and let's pray. And they'd always give one of the students the opportunity to pray or even in sports, like before, like every practice, before every game, we would always pray and, you know, acknowledge we're here to serve the Lord. We're here to play for the Lord all of those things. And that is one thing that really stuck out to me and hearing the teachers, like how sincere they were and that they like they wanted, like they weren't just doing it because they had to, or this is a Christian school, so we're going to pray. Right. It was very, they wanted to pray. They wanted to let the class know what was on their heart. And they gave the students the opportunity to do that too. And honestly, I love prayer now. Like, like at night when I'm going to bed and I'm just laying in my bed, like I just, I need to calm down. And then like, I need to have, like, I have to have my prayer, like my specific prayer time with the Lord. And it was honestly like doing that in class, like every single class, every single day, that is what built the habit and really sparked the, oh my goodness, like this is so important. Like how have I been neglecting this my whole life? Yeah. My mentor has really taught me over the past 10 years, the value of just praying God's word back Mm -hmm. to him, the value of when you're in the word and the word is in you Mm -hmm. and you're using God's word to pray back, you know, to pray back to him how powerful that is. And just the affirmative of, God, I don't have to know this, but you know this. And this constant daily conversation has really transformed me. I mean, I was that same way of, it was almost a checkbox, but prayer really can become a way of life when we pray about little things. Yes, I know um, some parents I know that do such a great job and before they're driving in the car, maybe not just a quick trip into town, but if they, you know, take a little bit of a road trip, you know, they're praying with their kids, pray for their safety, pray for, you know, their attention and their driving. My mom's very good about that. I wish I was better about it like her. And and that can be really powerful. Those are great ways, even if your kids can't go to a private Christian school, Mm -hmm. but incorporating that daily prayer in everything, not just before the meal, <laughs> yes, <laughs> you know, but before any any type of event like that can really, I think, establish that. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about when you began reading the Bible independently, sort of on your, you know, by your own free will. What did that look like, um, and what motivates you to still be in the Word, and um, maybe even also touch on these are a lot of questions all in one, but um, kind of how you learned how to interpret it appropriately so that, mm-hmm. so that you love it. It is not just words on a page. 
I definitely, before I was a believer, I never read my Bible on my own time. That was not even a thought on my mind. I was like, oh, Sunday's Bible day. That's church day. I'll read it when I go to church and check the box. Like, check the box. Yeah, that'll be Mm -hmm. it. And even when I first became a believer, you know, everyone would be like, okay, you need to read your Bible every day. Like, you need to be in the Word every day. I'd be like, oh, oh, okay. And so then I would be reading it every day, but I was not reading it. I was checking my box, I was skimming through, and I was not soaking it in. I was not absorbing it and seeing it for what it was. And so it really wasn't until a couple of years ago, like end of my sophomore year, beginning of junior year, where I actually started, I forget exactly what we were talking about, but I was talking with someone who has been a great mentor to me. And she was just talking about how she had been struggling with something and how she had read something in her daily Bible reading that was really encouraging. And all of a sudden I had this th- this epiphany in my head. I was like, oh, <laughs> like I have, I struggle with, you know, so many things every day and, you know, life has so many challenges. I wonder if I actually, you know, read my Bible really well. Like, and I actually wanted to, you know, I was like, oh, I'm sure God has a lot of answers to things and has a lot of truth I can learn if I actually read it. And so that's something little, so simple, <laughs> so simple. Yes. Just that one conversation I have with this woman, I literally went home and I was like, okay, like we're going to put together like a routine. You're going to like start with something that you want to read about. And so I started with, I was like, okay, you're going to read the whole New Testament this year. Like you're going to do it. And I know the little Bible app, version. they have like thousands of plans. They had one, they have two that I did, one the New Testament and one the Old Testament. And so that first year I was like, you're going to do it. You're going to read the whole New Testament in a year. And then before I knew it, like I could not get enough of it. Like I was getting ahead of like, my little daily goals or whatever, just because I was craving it and I was enjoying it and I was learning so much. And then, you know, that year was done. And then I was like, okay, the Old Testament's longer, but we're going to do the Old Testament this year. By the next year, I did the Old Testament. And this year, my goal has been to do the entire Bible. I found a, po- a podcaster audiobook on Spotify where it does like three, like two, three or four chapters every single day. And, you know, if I'm like feeling like kind of sleepy and I'm like, oh, like I'll put it on so I hear the it's the King James version. Oh wow. Um, yeah. Yes, and so I'll put it on and then I'll like be listening to it and I'll read along to kind of help me, you know, stay honed in and if I don't want to listen to it, I'll just I won't do that and then I'll just see what chapters I have for the day and I'll read that instead. And it has been so amazing. And that's like the beauty of scripture and something I've learned over, you know, the past couple of years is you know, passages that I thought I knew, like creation, the fall of man, or Moses, or Jesus's ministry. Like I, you learn and you read something new every single time, every time. And it resonates with you differently because, you know, we're in different stages of life. And that is just so just one of the many, many things that are so powerful. And, you know, motivation, because like, you know, if we're being real, like, you know, we have those hard mornings, we have those hard nights where it's like, oh, I don't know, like, I just want to go to bed or I just want to go back to sleep. Do I really want to read my Bible? And, you know, those days happen. But motivation begins, you know, when I set that serious goal. And I remember, you know, I just, we talked about this earlier, I think, you know, the long run. And I always, like, at the end of the day, if I neglected to read my Bible, I just, I feel awful about, I I feel awful and I just feel empty, you know, because I filled my day with all these other things, you know, and, you know, they're important things was like, I didn't start off my day, you know, and even if I like didn't read, like, did I pray? And so just setting that serious goal and thinking about, you know, like what really matters. I think that there's a tendency to where we almost feel like we're being legalistic by telling ourselves we need to be in the word every day. 
And, you know, the legalism, we all have that because we feel like if I can just check a list, I'm good. We mm-hmm. all have that tendency. And of course, we know that that's not it. But I think what deep down, when we're really pursuing a relationship with Christ, it's that we know He has such good stuff to offer us. Mm-hmm. He has wisdom. He has truth. He has encouragement. He has conviction. All of that in the Word. And we know that it's there. But the things of this world just take our attention, distract us. All of that happens. So I want to just probably say to parents, it's not always you must do this. <laughs> it's more about cultivating a love for the Word mm-hmm. and knowing that there is always something there that we need. It's not just a, I want to feel good, you know, I want to, you know, read something happy that Jesus has to say to me, but it is, it's all about growing in that relationship. And so, yeah, it does kind of feel like maybe checking off a box, but I think that it starts there, but then you grow a love for the word. Another thing I remember was uh, there was a pastor I was listening to. This was, you know, back before I started seriously reading it. Another thing that kind of sparked motivation was I remember he was saying, you know, Like, how many hours a day do you spend, you know, on social media? How many hours a day do you spend, you know, watching movies or binging a show? And, you know, I love entertainment. I'm studying media production at Masters, guys. Like, I I love movies. Like, I'm all about that. But, But then he said, you know, how much time, you know, in the day did you spend trying to absorb something? How much time did you spend absorbing God's truth? Like, how much time did you read? praying to him how much time did you spend reading your bible and you know like it, you don't need to spend like all 24 hours of your day like but you know just like realistically like in my mind like how much of you know stuff the world am i absorbing and like am i able how am i able to combat that and strengthen my biblical worldview if i'm not absorbing the truth and two passages that really convict me when i'm feeling like, oh, like, do I have time to read the Bible? Like, do I not? Is Psalm 119, 103, and 104, where it says, how sweet are your words to my taste, sweeter than honey to my mouth. Through your precepts, I get understanding. Therefore, I hate every false way. In Psalm 19, 9, and 11, the fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More desired are they than gold, even much fine gold. Sweeter than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned, and keeping there is great reward. And I always think the end of that last verse, like there is great reward in studying God's word and reading it. Like it truly does strengthen you. I feel like I am the most confident in my beliefs and my convictions now because I have read the Bible so much for and because I've started paying attention in church and realizing there is so much goodness there. And, you know, I'm about to go off to college and I'm going to be off on my own. And I realized, you know, at home, you know, I have that safety net and my parents are very strong, convicted believers. And, you know, I've always been able to rely on that. And I always can. I always can rely on them. But, you know, really taking, you know, responsibility for my faith and realizing, you know, I'm going to go out into the world. I'm going to meet people I'm going to, you know, encounter unbelievers, like how am I going to be able to share the truth with them if, you know, I'm not confident in it or I don't, you know, what I'm talking about. So when reading the word, do you feel like on that regular basis, learning some theological concepts through, no, granted, you got them, like I said, through your private Christian school education, but even if your kids can't come, right, can't go to private school, there are still ways that we can Mm -hmm. teach kids theological concepts, teaching them doctrine. Do you feel like that specifically has equipped you to sort of take captive all of these lies in the culture and these empty and hollow philosophies that are 
that are promulgated in society. Yes, for sure. I definitely, whenever I'm thinking, you know, trying to combat lies and false teachings of the world, like I always have two questions that I run through my mind in, you know, a theological term, sanctification. I remember I would hear that word in church or whatnot. And I remember I was like, I don't even know what that means. Like, what does sanctification (laughs) mean? And sanctification is, you know, pursuing Christ likeness and growing in our faith every single day. And I always, hearing these lies and, you know, I'm seeing all these temptations to just kind of, you know, blow with the wind and, you know, blow with the world and all that. I always have to remind myself, like, will this, will this thing or, you know, this teaching or, you know, an example could be like self-love or, you know, just feeling like we can do whatever we want or whatever. I always think like, will this bring me closer or farther away from the Lord? And, you know, is this glorifying to him? You know, is this is this act or this practice or kind of this philosophy, like, is this really bringing me closer to him? Is this really, is the Lord fulfilling me or is this false doctrine, you know, or this, you know, love of self and thinking that my knowledge and feeling is enough to fulfill me. And so I I always have to run that in my mind, like, Lord, like, is this glorifying to you? Am I really putting you first? Am I really going to grow, grow closer to you? Or do I feel like I'm drifting farther away. Because at the end of the day with, you know, our conscience, the Holy Spirit convicts us if you are truly his. And so if you really, with my experience, if you really pray and you ask the Lord, like you'll know, and you know, the Holy Spirit will convict you and let you know that you are falling away from him. And, you know, God's word is the truth. And that is, um, you know, the authority of scripture is what will show you and tell you that you are falling away and what you're doing is not right and not in alignment with him. Absolutely. I agree. I know that it. we can all just so subtly, it's always a subtle, slow mm-hmm. transition where we start accepting different thoughts, different ways of life, different habits we get into. And I agree. Studying God's word, seeing the whole meta narrative of scripture of not only of how the, earth, how the world began, how we're sinners, you know, the fall, understanding Jesus's role, understanding him coming back. That all helps reground Mm -hmm. me and say, I have a purpose. I have a calling. Yes. And this is how I'm supposed to be living. And so when I'm in God's word and I say, this is authority, when I'm not supposed to love the world, when I'm supposed to take these empty and hollow philosophies, these ideas of the world, I'm supposed to take them captive, that's authoritative. I need to do Mm -hmm. that. (laughs) And then I have to ask myself, what does that look like when I do that? Well, it looks like going back to the word and saying, okay, this is what's true. That is what's not true. And we're also called to expose the things that are false and expose those false teachings, you know, to help warn others, you know, when we can't just, you know, be like, oh, okay, like I'm not going to let it affect me and I'm just going to be in my little bubble. I mean, that is one thing I struggle with. You know, I'm, I feel like I'm not a very confrontational person. I don't really like to, you know, speak out all the time, but, you know, it convicts me in God's word when it says you need to expose the false things, expose the things that are not glorifying to the Lord. And you need to warn others, Mm -hmm. you know, out of love, you know, love and fear of the Lord for them. Right. I I feel that way pretty much all the time. Like right now it's like school starting back (laughs) and I see all of these parents posting so many pictures of their kids saying whether they're going to school, saying Mm -hmm. what age they are. And this is me. And on my side, I'm like, please, no, please let me warn you. This can be dangerous. Like there's a lot of yes. with artificial intelligence and all of this stuff. So, I mean, there's our subtle things. And what the Lord lays on your heart, 
that has been convicting to you, you, you want to warn others about, you know, not only just the dangers when it comes to technology, but also just the, the danger of idolizing your children, mm-hmm. putting them up for others to covet on social media. Yes. Right. We are not to, we are not to not only covet ourselves, but we should not be making others covet. Those are those convictions. And so, I mean, that's my personal where I'm coming up from what you're saying, it's, but it's so, so true. So um, one question I wanted to circle back to was I was curious how your faith and your walk with the Lord, how has that impacted your younger siblings? Oh, man. I pray every single day that I will be a good older sister and that the Lord will use me to, because, you know, I'm the oldest. I didn't have any older siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, I just had my parents and they've been phenomenal examples. And I tell myself that I'm like, oh my goodness, like I don't really see things exactly from my younger sibling's point of view because I didn't have that older sibling, but I spend a ton of time with them. We're very close. And, you know, I always think about, you know, the words I'm using, the things I'm doing, you know, the things I watch and like I read, like they totally see all that. And so I always think, you know, I had my parents directly in front of me and I always think, you know, I need to not be like, I mean, I strive to be, you know, a lot like them, but I'm not them, you know, I'm very different than my parents. And so I, I mean, I honestly, I pray that they see me as a good example and that they, you know, see Christ and that they want to pursue Christ interacting with me. You know, I definitely, I mean, we talk about prayer and all that whenever I'm with them, you know, I try to have good conversations, you know, it feels really awkward at it first. Does, still and, with your siblings, yeah. Yes, for sure. And, you know, because I am younger and I'm like, I guess like on their wavelength a little bit more, I can communicate with them yeah. maybe easier than my parents can. I mean, like, I feel bad, but that's just, that's just the way it if is, you're a sibling yeah. and you're listening, I mean, you know, like that's just, it's, it's true. But I definitely, I try to pray with them and I try to show them, you know, the Christ and, you know, where he is, you know, throughout the world, just, you know, if we're, I mean, this is such a silly little example, but even just little things, like if we're driving by and I see like a really pretty field of wildflowers or the sure. sunset or something, I'll just try to like throw little things out there. Like, oh my goodness, like God made that. Like he is such an amazing artist and, you know, he made you and like all these things. And so that's just like a silly, like little example, but just little things like that. I just try to show them, you know, and acknowledge like seeing Christ in all and, you know, praying Lord willing that, you know, they'll see that and they'll crave a relationship with him. And so I don't know. Yeah. I hope that's, I hope that's what they see. Yeah. That's awesome. That's awesome. So do you think, and I, I mean, I know we both probably know this answer, but it's an important one to still ask nonetheless. Do you think you would have arrived at this moment with your faith if you did, you know, where you are in your training and your passion and your convictions for how you want to live your life, if you had unfettered social media or internet access? Definitely not. Knowing, I mean, we are all different. We all struggle with different things. I totally acknowledge that. But knowing me and myself and just my testimony and journey, I definitely, I touched on it earlier. I think I last time I was on here, I touched on, you know, my struggle with comparison. I can totally, like my vanity, my beauty, my body image, I can definitely turn that into an idol so mm-hmm. easily. Materialism, you know, I love fashion and makeup and, you know, the cute little bags and all that. And I see, you know, all these big designer people with all their stuff and I'm like, oh, like I want that. Or, you know, I'm not fashionable enough and all that. And it's like, no, like that's not true. And so had I had social media at a young age when I was super insecure and 
all that, I definitely would not have reached where I am now. And also just, you know, time consuming. I would have gotten so completely sucked in. It would have taken over my time. And so, and also just the, all the temptations that are thrusted Mm -hmm. at you and just the, you know, they market everything towards you and they design, you know, all the algorithms, they design everything, you know, to be targeted exactly towards you and they study how to, you know, suck, (laughs) you know, you specifically in on your device and all that. And so I just, I most definitely would not have been nearly as close to the Lord as I am now had I had it. Yeah. But now there are a lot of great resources. And you mentioned this last time about on YouTube, for example, there's so many great Bible teachers, there's oh, sermons. Yes. How, ha- how much has what you now have access to, which you had said was YouTube or anything else you're now ac- accessing, how, how has that also grown you, those extra, like I learned tons from podcasts, oh, I do yes. learn from YouTube um, teachers, all of that. What have you learned and how have you grown using those resources mm-hmm. that God has given us? Because it's yes. not a surprise uh-huh. to him, right? But for his good and glory. Yes, I definitely, I definitely, I have YouTube now and I use it all the time, you know, just watching podcasts and finding people who I look up to, people who are like-minded, who talk about, you know, these current events and, you know, politics and cultural issues and all that. I think it's super important to stay informed on all that and, you know, learning about all this and filtering it through our biblical worldview. And so I definitely, I think I've grown so much, you know, as a young adult and as a believer, having um, that resource, YouTube, like using it and being able to watch things. You know, it's definitely tempting, you know, to go down like all the rabbit holes and everything. But I think because I waited so long and my parents didn't let me have it when I was younger and when I Um, was in high school and all that. But I think waiting and growing in maturity and reaching the point where I'm at now where I'm very confident in my beliefs. I'm a lot more grounded in, you know, myself as a believer in a person. And I, you know, made the decision to download it because I felt like where I'm at in my faith journey right now, I would not be shaken by, you know, all of the things on there. And, you know, I also take a lot of precautions. I make sure, you know, everything is very private and all that. So I'm not like a major target for people or anything. So I definitely, you know, even on YouTube, even something as silly as YouTube, like I tried, you know, to be careful about, you know, like I personally make the decision, like I don't like anything. Like obviously I subscribe to like all the stuff, but I don't like anything. I don't comment on anything, you know, just like (laughs) just those little precautions. So I just try to be mindful of that. That's that's kind of how I, you know, use all those resources Mm -hmm. too. I'm not a commenter. I have come to learn. I read the comments, do but I don't comment. <laughs> I have come to learn that there are, I think there are professional commenters. Oh, yes. I think there are people who, as we have shared stuff on um, platforms like Facebook and Twitter, I guess you want to call it X now. And- I know. Like, what's up? I literally, I, I actually downloaded Twitter to um, like also like stay informed on some of the people I follow on YouTube. And one day, sorry, this is so random. But I looked and it was this like X. I had no idea that was <laughs> yeah. happening. And it totally caught me off guard. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> so, but it's funny. It's as you share stuff, they're not looking at the content. They're not reading it. They're not listening to the podcast. They just see something's Christian and they've got something to say. And so it is interesting. I think that there are professional commenters out there that spend their life scrolling, trolling <laughs> on on Christians' platforms. So it is something to be aware of. Even mm-hmm. when you're consuming good content, there are people yes. who make it their mission to try and refute mm-hmm. any positive, good Christian thing that is out there on the internet. So yeah, having that wisdom, I think, is 
that you're expressing is, is just so wise. Not leaving those comments, not interacting so much on there. It's okay to just be a consumer of good theology mm-hmm. teaching on yes. YouTube. I want to give everybody permission to do that and really encourage parents to do that. That's where I have grown so much. So I learned so much through podcasts and places like that, that that's where I decided to go get my master's degree in biblical theology, because I fell in love with learning so much of, of doctrine, so much of theological truth, stuff that I had never known before. And it also, it empower, I feel like it empowers me and other believers, you know, hearing people who are so brave to speak the truth, you know, there are all of these, you know, professional commenters and all these people who are bashing what they're saying and, you know, trying to refute like everything that they're saying. And it, it empowers me seeing these people and listening to these people online, you know, speaking the truth with no fear, um, unapologetically. And it just, it empowers me, you know, I think, you know, if I listen to a podcast or a video or something in the morning, like it, it strengthens me. I'm like, Lord, like I can, like, I can be brave. Like I'm, it reminds yes. me I'm not alone. Yeah. I'm like, I'm not crazy. Like I'm not alone. There are other people who believe the truth, who believe and, you know, the authority of scripture. So it's like, I can go out and I can be a light and, you know, be a part of the body. Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I think that um, your testimony just really helps and will encourage parents as well of making those intentional choices, even when it's awkward. Yes, <laughs> it, it is awkward, but it's, it's so worth it. And it, it gets so much less awkward because eventually, like now, Whenever my dad's like, okay, we're going to read the Bible together. We're going to do a devotion. Like I get excited. I'm like, oh, okay. Like, and you know, if you're a sibling listening, it's like, and you're like farther along in your spiritual journey than like your younger siblings are, or, you know, if they're older than you or whatever, like, and like try to be the one to be like, okay, guys, like we're going to do this. It's going to be good. Like, and get excited about it because God's word is so exciting. That is another thing I have learned is that there's so much excitement and like amazing stuff in God's word. And, you know, if you like just go into it with a bad attitude, like you're not going to take as much away from it. But if you go into it knowing that what you're going to hear is good and that, you know, like the Lord, you know, has stuff in his word that he needs you and wants you to hear. Like if you go in excited about it and you try to I don't know, I guess pep up like your other siblings who are like, this is awkward. I don't want to do it. Like it is so helpful. And your parents will really appreciate it. That's (laughs) right. That's right. Yeah, I think that's an important point. We just as parents, you need to persevere Mm -hmm. and keep doing that work. Keep praying for your children and pray with your children every moment that we can talk about the meta narrative, which is like the whole picture of scripture, Mm -hmm. right? Not just the stories. Yes. I think the stories are great, but you know, there are churches. They cannot disciple our children for the 50 minutes that they have them on a Sunday. Mm-hmm. And it really comes back to us as parents of choosing how we are incorporating all of those theological truths, biblical truths, loving the word, making the word part of your daily life. It's never too late to start. Mm-hmm. That I know is true. No matter yes. how awkward it is, it's never too late to start those never. habits. Well, Mary Catherine, thank you so much for coming back on the Brave Parenting Podcast. We will be certainly praying for you as you start oh, your you. first I, I'll semester. I need the prayers. I'm, I'm so excited. But, you know, I'm also, I'm the oldest. Like, this is kind of a new chapter for my family. So I'm, also, I'm pretty nervy. I bet. I bet. I bet. Well, the Master's University is so lucky to have you. Oh, so that's we'll, so kind. Thank we'll you. share our my last year and your first year together at the Master's. Oh, so, yes. All right. See awesome. you there. Thank you so much. That was another super enlightening and encouraging interview with Mary Catherine. One of the highlights for me 
was how she came to understand the problem of evil and how scripture answered that question for her. You know, we don't need to create new answers for the problem of evil or deny that the problem exists, which is a lot of what culture wants to do. Scripture not only answers that question, but it provides hope in the midst of that evil that the God of creation came down as a human flesh and paid the penalty for our sin with his perfect life and through him we can have eternal life. We need to cling to that hope. Another key takeaway for me was that cultivating God-honoring and holy habits in the home are fundamental for the Spirit of God to move in your kids' hearts. Because we know that we ourselves cannot make our children accept Christ or force them to be saved. They are saved, Ephesians 1.11 tells us, because they are chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of Him who works everything out in conformity with the purpose of His will. And John 6.44, Jesus says, No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. Well, God is always drawing us to Himself. And the habits that we as parents cultivate and the passions that we pursue both in front of and with our children create an environment for the Spirit to move. When they hear the gospel and they see it being lived out with authenticity, that enables them to be enlightened by the Holy Spirit and give their lives to Jesus. This is definitely what we heard from Mary Catherine in a little bit of her testimony and her growth as a faithful and obedient believer. It is ultimately, you know, between her and the Lord, but her early education in the Bible and in theology and with her parents and her family, it produced that fertile ground that enabled her to experience salvation. So now I love this conversation. I hope you did as well. But listen, friends, I have another incredible interview for you next week. It's all similar questions, but this time with a 21-year-old young man who is a college senior. He is going to give us a little bit of his story and how learning the Bible and theology has transformed his life. You will absolutely love it. You do not want to miss it. If you love Mary Catherine, you will also love next week's interview. So for those of our loyal listeners, these interviews today were what I was hoping to release as these bonus episodes in our Set Up for School series. I wasn't sure I was going to be able to get these young college students before they went away, but I was, and so we're so thankful. We still have screen time limits and device controls episode coming up, so make sure that you are subscribed so that you are notified when the new episodes drop. And listen, if you love the podcast, would you just bless us by leaving a review, five-star review, comment? The podcast reviews are how the algorithm recommends the podcast to other people. So for us to get this message out for other people, outside of our immediate circles to start listening. We really need your reviews. So whatever podcast platform you're listening on, we would absolutely love that. And thank you. All right. So that does it for us today. Have a blessed back to school week. And until next time, go and be brave. Be brave.